On this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show, a dealer opens and a dealer closes here in Washington. We'll look at the crazy world of future motorcycle tech, and the cat's meow is not all it's cracked up to be. All that and so much more on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Clem's Enum Clop Power Sports, your South Sound destination for your favorite brands like Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Can Am, and Kimco. And Clem's goes beyond motorcycles to satisfy all your outdoor passions with a full line of UTVs, ATVs, snowmobiles, personal watercraft, and cargo trailers. Have you got a dirt bike you want to convert to a snow bike? Visit Clem's today and discover all the possibilities. This is David Christensen with Tucker Rocky. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show. And while we are thrilled for the potentially thousands of listening parties that are no doubt taking place for this month's episode, I'm afraid that we are going to have to insist that you maintain a socially acceptable social distance while listening. Sorry, yeah, please, please ride six feet apart from each other while you're listening. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, sidecar guys. Uh, joining me as always, publisher and founder of Sound Rider, Mr. Tom Marin, and I, of course, am Surgeon General of the DR350 Experience, self-appointed editor at large, Mr. Derek Roberts. Tom, you blink your eyes, and just like that, it's August, man. I can't believe it. I don't know what happened to the first half of summer. All of a sudden, it's warm too. Yeah, kind of sweltering out. That's uh, probably a good reminder for the folks that if they get into the archive at soundrider.com, they can find some nice articles on tips for riding cool. And if they go to the store, they can probably find some products to assist them in doing that as well. Oh, hey, there you go. All right. Well, how's that for a couple of early plugs right in the intro there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't set you up for that. No, I know. That's just uh, that's our just socially uh, distanced mind meld. I can uh, assure the <laughs> listeners of that. But let's jump into that, though, because we do have some sound writer things to discuss right here at the top of the show and kind of related to what I was talking about there and uh, not really thinking about that previously. But how are things looking in the store? Um, you know, as well as I know, there there's a lot of low inventory levels out there. Yeah, that's right. And I should say, I should preface that I should say stores, not store, but I'm talking about the motorcycle shops out there. Uh, we've been out and about a little bit, and it seems like the previous months have been quite good for the shops, which has left a lot of people kind of waiting on new motorcycles and parts. At least that's what I'm hearing. What about you? Yeah, as I'm hearing the same thing, that uh, the the new inventory just isn't coming in, and... Uh, you know what I was thinking about? What's going on with hot deal bikes? Is that is that inventory diminishing now because that's all that's available? Uh, so we are, yeah. We're starting to see. And even I think, uh, you know, a lot of times you would start to see prices maybe drop, right, from holdover in- inventory. Uh, but we're not seeing that as much because all the used bikes are gone. In fact, I'm hearing, you know, some reports out there in different parts of the countries where motorcycle shops are forced to go on Craigslist to buy inventory which I found to be a pretty interesting, kind of a unique problem. So so let me make it clear to anybody listening who doesn't know what Hot Deal Bikes is. On soundrider.com, we run a, a page called Hot Deal Bikes, and it is loaded with non-current new bikes that are left over that the dealers need to get rid of. And since the, say, the 2020 models are pretty much sold out, uh, one would think that the hot deal bikes would start moving more. And so what you're saying, because I know you, you kind of run that page. Right. Uh, you're seeing that inventory declining. Uh, yes. But, you know, in, in the past, you would start to see, you know, hot deal bikes would be, I think, a little bit hotter deals. Where right now we don't have the uh, impetus for people to maybe uh, make those drastic markdowns in anticipation of new uh models coming out 2021 models coming out in say september or october 
So with the diminished inventory, you may be seeing uh, a little bit, on average, a little bit general higher prices, I think. So you'd be paying, paying close to MSRP for a 2019 model. Right, yes. And, you know, we've seen in the past and holdovers for a couple of years where you may see, yep. functionally speaking, a brand new bike that's marked down literally thousands of dollars uh, just because in the past, you know, they were trying to move these models. Maybe it's a 2016 or a 2017, but a yeah. little, le- little less of that going around now, I think. I remember that. We were looking at a, at a particular Honda model that was like a 2015 model. And yeah, that was one of was those. trying to unload it. It was one of those, was it like a CTX uh, 700, yeah. kind of like a, a gold wing uh, hybrid almost, kind of like a, not not a luxury model, but kind of like a base base model that they ran for two years, I think, was right. the only run for that. But. Right. Had that, had that NC700X motor in it. I love I that I think, motor. honestly, I think it was a, a really solid motorcycle. It just didn't take off, and I think maybe the styling didn't quite fit for the uh, the price point. Um, and maybe the demographic that they were targeting. So it lasted two years. But I know I know a guy or two who owns one of those, and they, they speak highly of them. I mean, look, it's a Honda, right? I mean, you can't go that wrong. No. They're indestructible. Yeah, that's right. So. You could hit a dog on a Honda, and, and it would still work after you hit the dog. <laughs> Although we uh, certainly do not advise that, because no. we, uh, we don't think that that's a, an appropriate uh, motorcycling experience for most people to have. We like to keep those limited. But, but you know, speaking of which, um, uh, July 24th was my one-year anniversary on that crash. And I'm, Has it, ha- I'm happy to report. It's been that long. Yeah, it's been a year. And I'm happy to report that basically, I mean, I can feel it. I can definitely still feel where it all happened. But I've got just about 99% mobility over there on that left arm. Well, I will say, too, and we've talked about this before on the show, but certainly, you know, for some of our our listeners, really for everybody, but particularly for some of our older listeners that may get into an incident like that, you didn't let any grass grow under your feet. You got on that physical therapy right away, and you were dead set on making as strong a recovery as possible, and I think that's obviously paid off. I mean, it's you're back out there doing a lot of work and riding and, you know, yard work, walking dogs, the whole nine yards, so I think you got to, you know, be cognizant of that if you're ever in an incident or an accident yeah in fact the other day i walked uh i have two labrador retrievers that i walk but i always walk them separate and so i called their parents uh you know they have different parents and i called each parent and i said hey can i uh can i walk the dogs together and they both said yeah so there i was with uh two 70 pound labrador retrievers one on each arm and I got done with that walk an hour later, and I still had both arms in the sockets. Well, I tell you, that's a, <laughs> a pretty good indicator. And uh, we'll look for that on the Soundrider store, the pet matchmaking services coming sometime <laughs> this fall, right? It's good exercise. It's that's good right. Exercise absolutely. Well, hey, I tell you what, why don't we jump down? Because I know we, uh, you made the announcement, obviously, online, but we should let folks know about the Rally in the Gorge this year. Yeah, so the Rally in the Gorge, the 2020 date has been moved to 2021. So please, don't go to the fairground in August and expect we'll be there because we won't. Uh, Sadly, you know, we kind of held out as long as we could, hoping that the pandemic situation would resolve a little better than it had. But that has not been the case And so uh, for the safety of all the crew who works with us and all the people who come to the rally, we are not having that in August. We will be having it in August of 2021. And uh, everybody who pre-registered has been notified and given the option to either uh, roll their registration to 2021 or exchange it for store product or get a refund. And I'm happy to say that at this point, everybody's rolling to 2021. Yeah, well, I know as uh, this whole pandemic thing has kind of progressed, we've had obviously some some brief conversations over the months. And I know you were really, really trying to make it happen this year. And we were all hopeful, you know, eight weeks ago that we were going to see these counties sort of progress through the phases and put us in a position to hold it again this year. But uh, what I'm hoping is that that means 2021 will be bigger, 
better and better than ever. And we'll see a lot of people who are excited, you know, from that one year layoff to come down there and maybe we can throw a real raging party in hood river. I hope so. I do hope so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for having events and I want to bring people together, but when it comes down to the, where the situation's at right now, I'm not willing to do it. So there we go. It's the tough call, but it's the call, right? It's, it's a call that needed to be made, and That's I wasn't right. going to push it. So, uh, anyways, yeah, you're right. We'll have to make 2021 doubly fun. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm uh, I'm all for that. So, uh, we look forward to 2021, and uh, of course, uh, like you said, we have a lot of rollover registrations. So we already are uh, seeing record attendance. Uh, by standards of uh, rallies past, because we're way ahead on 2021, right? <laughs> yeah. So that means yeah. we'll have double attendance. Okay. That's right. Blah, so, blah. so just because uh, the rally's been moved to 2021, though, it doesn't mean that people aren't still out there riding. And again, I'll give another shameless plug to the Sound Rider store, where there's a lot of good touring books that uh, Tom has written over the years and uh, self-guided tours that he's put together. But also, uh, you had an experience about riding on the weekend. So maybe before people pick up those books, they should look at their vacation time and their scheduling accordingly, huh? So specifically, what we're talking about here is that Connie and I were touring down around the LB area. We actually, what we did was we went around Mount Rainier. And when we got to LB in the afternoon, we went uh, clockwise. And when we got to LB in the afternoon, it was quite a traffic jam to move on Highway 7 North into Elby, which requires a left turn at the junction with 706. So we waded through that, and then we went over to the was $6 million state uh, restroom. I think it was $6 million. At oh, yeah, that, uh, that public state-funded uh, mm-hmm. rest stop, right? Yeah, so yeah. – uh, You know, in order to do that, they had to get a lot of environmental permitting, but also they weren't able to tap into the LB sewage system. And so, therefore, um, they have to truck water into that facility probably every week, I guess. And then they have to pump all the sewage out. So, uh, hey, there's your $6 million at work. And, yeah, not to mention it sounds like a lot more every time they need to haul in or haul out. Yeah. So then uh, when we left, we went north and we were going to go out toward Eatonville. And when we took the right turn for Eatonville, the traffic coming down Highway 7 southbound and coming in, uh, coming from Eatonville going on to Highway 7 was horrendous, like a mile-long backup. And uh, I don't know. In, you know, we need some roundabouts here. And we got some roundabouts uh, several years ago up on Highway 2. And I hope that we see some roundabouts go in down here in the Elby area because they sorely need it now. So, uh, rider beware. If you're planning to do a a weekend ride and you're coming home on a Sunday or or you're going to do a a holiday weekend like Labor Day and you're going to be coming home Monday, I would stay away from Elby. For sure. Yeah, and I just think in general, you know, some of these hot spots. And of course, I that's that's always been, I think, good advice for a long time here, particularly in western Washington. But more and more, it is just brutal. I mean, highway two roundabouts even installed, it is still if you can go on a Wednesday, I, you're so much better off. I mean, yeah. trying to come back on a Sunday from any of these places is just it it really will ruin your entire day. Yep. I'm going to start planning my rides. You know, fortunately, I'm in a position in my life where I can sort of do that and plan my rides to get in and out of town during times that are not a weekend and work around uh, weekday rush hour. So just uh, a little little food for thought for people who can pull it off. Yeah, I, that's a, I guess that's the key there if you can pull it off or not. But if you can, man, wait, what a difference. It just makes life so much easier. Even just – being out driving during the weekdays is such a more pleasant experience if you can avoid rush hour traffic. And like you said, not everybody has that luxury, but particularly on a motorcycle, it is uh, quite the luxury indeed. And, you know, I'm noticing on weekday 
writing that uh, rush hour traffic really kind of doesn't exist on the weekdays because nobody's really going downtown to go to work, that kind of thing. I've seen it a, has, a, a lot less of a stream of traffic. Yeah, it definitely, I tell you, it has picked up, I think, in the last six weeks compared to, um, you know, eight or 12 weeks ago. But you're right, it is significantly less than we have seen in the last couple of years. But still, you know, that's like significantly less for Seattle. It can still be pretty bad on some days. I don't know what it's like down in Portland and out in Boise so much, but I tell you, in the downtown area here in Seattle, it can it can really get to you. Hmm. Well, anyways, um, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll get in some news bites, and we'll get into the calendar because there is stuff going on on the calendar, and there's certainly stuff going on in news bites. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by the Soundwriter Store. Right now is as good a time as any to snuggle up with a good book, and we've got just the title for you. Fraser Shrugged is the latest book from world-renowned adventure motorcyclist Dr. Gregory Fraser. Inside, you'll find a collection of columns written over the last four decades highlighting his six navigations around the globe. From Thailand to India, South America to the Arctic Circle, you'll find all that and more. Purchase Fraser Shrugged online now at the Soundwriter Store. Hello, I'm David Paul. I live in Green Bank, Washington. Um, I ride regularly on a 2006 F650 GS, and my favorite rides are down in the gorge. Hi, this is Don Doherty with All Moto Tire, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Derek, have you got like a, a a sock on your microphone today, or uh, you know, I've got the uh, I've got the pea popper thing on here. Am I going a little crazy with the uh, Portlands? Yeah, some 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 peas are still popping over there. Maybe you need to put your face mask on. Yeah, I can't live without the uh, the face mask. I don't want any peas or uh, viruses popping out of here. Right? Put put the one on that has the two layers of cloth in it. <laughs> I tell you what, what if I just uh, I just don't talk for the rest of the show? That'll solve that problem too, right? Yeah, but nobody wants to hear me as the only <laughs> person on the show. I know that. Well, we'll try to, we'll try to compromise, and I'll see uh, if I can go the rest of the show without using said letter. How's that? Yeah, try, try to form all your words without the letter P. I'll do my best. Or, you know, just tighten up your lower lip every time you say the letter P. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to keep, oh, there it is. Okay, I, well, keep, that's kind of a soft one, but <laughs> we didn't go very long. All right, now that we've bored the listeners, why don't we get into some real uh, hot topics here? Why don't we go right downtown here in Seattle where there was, I believe we referred to it as a resurrection coming. Well, you said uh, downtown, but it's not really in downtown. It's over in Lake City. Well, that's true, but with the urban sprawl, it's more or less all the same. Yeah, everything's downtown at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but BMW uh, Motorcycles of Seattle is back under new ownership and in a new location not far from the old one. Have you had a chance to, to make it over there yet? I have not. I know so I, I should. I went over there. Yeah. Do you you over went there. over? I did, just the other day, actually, Give for the first time. Give us a report. Time. Well, it looks great in there. Uh, they they did a real nice job on the build out. You know, it's not a it's not a huge space, which is not surprising considering uh, said real estate prices in the greater and exterior downtown area there. But they're building it out real nice nicely. It looks classy. They uh, have a quite a few employees returning from the previous location, including the GM. And uh, I'm excited. You know, I for one really feel like. The legacy of BMW, particularly with the uh, adventure touring models here, is kind of like Seattle is just it needs that representation. So I'm, I'm real happy to see it coming along, and I, I hope it's going to be real successful. Now, is there a sign out front yet? I think there's one on the building. There's one on the building, but I, I thought eventually I hope they get a sign up on the street. 
Yeah, you know, I don't know. What the, I guess I don't know what the logistics are of that or the regulations in that part of town. But um, yeah, more signage the better, right? Oh yeah, because it's kind of you got to look for it. Otherwise, it doesn't just pop out at you. Well, I tried to put in a good word for you and tell them that uh, you were looking for one of those shaker border gigs. So on the weekends, you tell people to sell their gold, and then I figured on the weekdays you could go down there and just shake it out front. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure I know about that. You don't see those guys on the corner trying to, you know, for real estate open houses or sell your gold and all that kind of stuff. They're shaking the arrow signs, telling people to come oh, down there. Oh, so you're talking about jobs for people during COVID-19. Yeah, socially nice. distanced, outdoor. I thought that might be a, a good fit. I tried to put in a good word for you. I could wear like uh, I could wear I could wear a helmet, right? And I could I could look like a motorcycle guy. And full I could be holding that and, sign and flipping it and spinning it. Full helmet and full arrow stitch suit. That would be required. <laughs> get, get your cooling vest out. <laughs> yeah, it's 80 degrees out there. We'll do it. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, I had some fun here the other night and uh, bumped into a new documentary. Not really new because it was recorded four years ago. Uh, it's called The Slow Ride Home. And I caught it on uh, Amazon Prime. Did you get a chance to watch it? You know, I only had a chance to kind of read over the description. I haven't had uh, the time to tune into it yet. But it sounds like from your review, I did read the article there. It sounds like a really fun watch. It's a lot of fun. And uh, uh, just to kind of set it up for the listeners here, there's a uh, scooter group here in Seattle called the uh, Sons of... Okay, the name's escaping me. Not Anarchy. No. <laughs> I think it's uh, Soldiers of Destiny. That's oh, it. I was going to say that the Sons of Lawfulness. But. It's the Soldiers of Destiny. And so they go to Florida with their scooters. There's uh, seven of them that go to Florida, and they meet up with another guy who's in Florida. And then they ride back to Seattle. And uh, it's eight scooters, 11 days. Uh, they're doing this in tandem with the Cannonball Run, but you never see the activities of the rest of the Cannonball Run. It's just these guys. And uh, I thought it was really well put together. Um, this guy, Jesse Morrow, was the uh, director on the shoot and did a lot of the camera work. Uh, he had a, a drone out with him, and they got some nice aerial shots. Uh, he got some nice documentary footage of both on-road as well as uh, kind of stuff they would do at night, you know, little games they would play and stuff. And, uh, yeah, you can, read, you can read the review on soundwriter.com right now. And uh, it looks like at this point for the September show, we will have Justin on, who's the president of the Sons of Destiny or Soldiers, Soldiers? of Destiny. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, – Look forward to that in September. But in the meantime, uh, catch the video if you can. Uh, I got it on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it's streaming elsewhere. I haven't checked Netflix or any of the other things. But um, it's very cool. A lot of fun. Yeah, well, I thought it was a great premise. And I, I, I guess I couldn't glean out of there. I didn't uh, – at least it doesn't seem – I don't recall it. Uh, are these mopeds? Are they doing 49cc? No, these are, or they're going – no, these are like modern-day scooters, like uh, Yamaha Zumas. Okay. Uh, the biggest scooter is a, is a Honda Reflex 250. But, okay. But uh, we're st- all the for rest a cross-country trip. Yeah, for a cross-country trip, most of them won't go over 40 miles an hour. Wow. And they do like the Blue Ridge Parkway, and they come up all the old highways, you know, because you can't run them on the interstate. So, uh, you know, doing the routing, they, they were putting in – 300 miles a day, which takes about 10 hours a day on scoots like that. Wow, what a story. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching that, of course, before uh, our interview. It sounds like what we'll have in the September show. But uh, hats off to those guys for taking the time to do it and for making what sounds like a really great motorcycle-inspired film. Yeah. So uh, you like coffee? I do. You like Queen Anne? I do. And you remember that the uh, Wick Coffee Company moved from Queen Anne up to its current location in the Triumph, between Triumph of Seattle and 
what do they call that other store? Northwest uh, Moto. Yep, Northwest Motos. That's right. So, a um, couple guys stayed behind and opened up a new coffee location called Two Kick Coffee in the old Wick Coffee location. I haven't been there yet, haven't checked it out, but uh, we wish them well. Yeah, I, you know, I actually, I, I did go over there on their opening day, as a matter of fact, which was in July. I went over there and I had an Americano and, you know, things are obviously a little different right now as far as open establishments, restaurants and coffee shops, but I had a great Americano and it's right next to the Moto Shed. So I get to go visit my friends over there and, you know, it's a great location, great place to spend a, a Saturday morning. You know, you ride uh, your motorcycle down there and have a nice cup of coffee. Tough to beat. Yeah, I have to go check that out. I've been I've been getting all the bikes out one by one, so maybe that's, that's an excuse right. you to gotta, take the SL three fifty down. Yeah, you gotta. I can't believe how long have we been talking about on this show that SL three fifty. It's supposed to go to uh, Craigslist or a Sound Rider raffle. We got to do something with that thing. <laughs> Come and get it. It's yeah. for sale. It's on Sound Rider. It's for sale. Come and get it. Hey, and, and you know it's priced right. It's it's uh, it's got a right price, and if you decide to tear it down and sell it for parts, you'll make even more money. Who can uh, who can turn their back on such a great offer there? Because what year is that? It's a nineteen seventy two. Seventy two. It's what's okay. known wow. as a K two model. It has the aluminum front fender. That's the only year they did that. See, these are uh, these are talking points that you can't find in any other podcast. But really, those are quite popular, I think, here in the in the Seattle area. So if you are listening and you're looking for maybe an older Honda to not just work on, but maybe customize up, scrambler out a little bit, that's a great fit. Or something to go and ride to the coffee shop and look cool with. You will definitely look cool on that bike. There's no question about that. <laughs> Whether you get it home or not, now that's another question. Yeah. <laughs> You look cool pushing it now. <laughs> Just fill it with fresh coffee grounds. It'll go there forever. There you go. Coffee powered. <laughs> so uh, we lost a dealer. Tell us about that. Yeah, Cascade Harley-Davidson, uh, North Cascades Harley-Davidson, I guess, which is uh, technically Burlington. Is that right? Does that sound right to you up north here in Washington State? Yeah, it's either they Burlington just- or Mountain Vernon. Yeah, though they decided to close their doors for good. And I think as we broadcast here in August, I think officially their last day will have passed. So there was a lot of uh, closeout sales, furnitures, fixtures, and equipment. I'm not sure that people really saw this coming entirely, and I don't know the full story, but we'll be down a Harley dealership here in Washington. Yeah, so now your nearest, your northernmost Harley dealer, we lost... um about four or five years ago, we lost the one up in Bellingham, and now we've right. lost this one. So uh, the northernmost Harley dealer in Washington State is going to be up there in Smoky Point. Right. So sound Harley Davidson, although I guess longitudinally, is that higher or lower than Lone Wolf Harley Davidson? Lone Wolf is in Idaho? Spokane. And Spokane. In Spokane. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's higher. Okay. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, if you live up in Bellingham, you're going to have to go all the way down to Smoky Point to get service now. Yeah, or over into Vancouver. Yeah, except you can't cross the border. Not right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little tough right now. But I guess that would be Trev Dealey, right, if you were going to go to the Vancouver side. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't, so, I don't have my though, finger on the pulse of where all the Harley shops are. There used to be one sure. up in Richmond. I'm not sure. But that would probably at least mean uh, some opportunities for some of the independent shops up there for service and repair. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But. You know, that would say, uh, I believe, a long, a pretty long-term owner at uh, North Cascades, Harley Davidson. And they had some really good folks working there. So I hope everybody, you know, finds a, uh, a nice soft landing. And, um, you know, I hope I wish, certainly wish the owners well, too. You know, it's a tough business to be in. So I'm sure a well-deserved retirement. Historically, many, many years ago, that shop was actually located in Anacortes. Hmm. 
And then they moved out to the freeway because Harley-Davidson kind of wants you near the freeway now. Which makes sense. I mean, for for the Harley model, certainly. Yeah, they think they're like, you know, the car dealers. Which I guess they are. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Volume-wise, anyway. So, uh, training is back, huh? People are, are starting up training programs again. Yeah, so all of uh, the you know people, of course, the new endorsement process has backlogged. I think some people, some new riders, from getting involved, but uh, it, it's just, and it's become you know an increase in interest for whatever reason, as we talked about the inventory problem. So I'm hearing you know some delays to try to get into some of these classes, which is again long term. We hope is a is a good sign that they'll be sort of fostering a bumper crop for riders that will power us through the next generation here, but. At the same time, it can probably be a little frustrating for, for some of these riders who are trying to get, you know, endorsed and on the road before the end of the uh, the riding season. Yeah, that's true. And what we're seeing is um, with the Target Zero program, um, while, while training isn't mandatory, you kind of basically can't really pass the test without doing the training. So that's going to build up a backlog of people who need training, especially now with people hanging out and and maybe deciding to take up the sport of motorcycling and finding out that in order to do it, they're going to basically have to go out and get training. So yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that whole dynamic plays out here, and it'll be interesting to see if it has any impact on accident and death statistics over the next five or six years, you know, with this new endorsement process. I know a lot of people are pretty actively involved who have commented to me that they don't think it's really going to have much of an impact. Uh, and they see it as more of an impediment, but um, I don't know. I, I mean, you're always hopeful that it works, but it's real. It's just, re- there are so many dynamic situations that can occur for a motorcycle rider. I don't know if, required training is enough to make you exponentially more proficient and to avoid accidents or if you would you know if the rider has to be involved and invested in that personally for it to make a difference Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing right now is uh 2019 we had a i think it was a record high at 92 deaths a whole lot of crashes and it doesn't seem to be letting up um i'm not actually counting this year sometimes i do but it seems like every morning I get up and I get my news feed and I'm seeing all these crashes and deaths going on all over the Pacific Northwest. So uh, obviously some people aren't sheltering, <laughs> which yeah. is fine. But, but uh, Lord, you know, just take it easy on your motorcycle, relax, and enjoy the time on it. And don't go too fast and don't push yourself through corners. And, and we're, we're just not uh, – Whatever the goals of the program are, obviously the goal is target zero. Uh, we're not getting there right now. We'll see more as uh, as time goes on here. I'll be interested in seeing the next report from the group. Yeah. Well, and like you, you know, I haven't kept track in the last couple of months of uh, motorcycle fatalities here in the Pacific Northwest. I kind of find it to be a grim reminder sometime, although I do think it is important information. But I know early in the season – when we were seeing dramatic reductions in overall, you know, roadway use, we were seeing an ahead of the curve fatality rate, yep. particularly here in Washington. And, you know, you just do the back of the envelope math and you go, well, less drivers, more fatality rates. These are probably single vehicle accidents. Um, and then you start to kind of work that into this whole training and proficiency equation. You start to then ask the obvious question about alcohol and age. You know, are people not ridden all winter? And then they get out in the spring and they go, oh, here's a 30-mile-an-hour curve. I can lay that over at 60. And, <laughs> well, Pops, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> a harsh reminder to learn. But that's, you know, that for me is always a sticking point when we talk about motorcycle fatalities is, trying to get past the alcohol question and then looking at those single vehicle accidents because those are the ones that seem to be the most important. Those seem to be the highest. Yeah, yeah, right now. I don't think alcohol's up at number one right now. I think it's more of the uh, single vehicle daytime type stuff going on. Yeah. Um, well, rides, ride safe out there anyway, huh? Yeah. Take it easy. 
Uh, I just want to cover a couple things on the calendar that are happening that we know about. Uh, Cafe to Cafe Grand Tour continues. You can sign up for that on soundwriter.com. And uh, most of those restaurants are open. I'm not getting any word that any of them have closed, so that's good. On uh, August 8th and 9th, the MotoFit group will be at OR Raceway Park, Oregon Raceway Park, and uh, doing their track days those two days. So if you're itching to get some track day time in, you can do it down there. Uh, Also on uh, August 9th and 10th, OPRT will be training at the Ridge, doing their track day. And for the 25th anniversary, August 23rd, Sunday, the Monkey Butt 300 will be run from Skagit Power Sports. And uh, you'll get to the store by 8 a.m. to get registered. They'll have a rider meeting at 9, and everybody will hit the road and ride out to Winthrop. There's a barbecue vendor out there. He'll be doing uh, lunches for people. The first, I'm not sure what the number is. I think it's 100 people that sign up, get a commemorative T-shirt on that one. Um, I would expect that that registration is going to happen outside the store because there's a lot of people who go for that event. Um, and 25th then on, annual. Yeah, 25th annual. Uh, on September 14th through 19th, we are planning to run the road trip 2020. Uh, our numbers are looking good. We don't have a huge amount of people signed up, so that's perfect. And uh, I mentioned the ride. I mentioned I get out and do some touring, and so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, tour the Cascades. That's going to be a uh, a beautiful one. Of course, all the road trips are, but right here in the backyard of Washington, you can't beat that. The Super Eight. That's right. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Derek and I are going to be talking about 21st century technology on motorcycles. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from, whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt, sport bike, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hi, I'm Greg from Goldendale, Washington. Only lived out here a year, but there's all kind of great roads to ride, and I haven't found them all yet. Hi, this is Ray Crapo from Icon Motorsport. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show. eat a whole bag of barbecue potato chips right now. A whole bag of barbecue potato chips. I'm not mm. sure what that has to do with motorcycle technology, but mm. uh, maybe you've got some uh, trick up your sleeve that, uh, that you want to share with the listeners here. Well, I don't know. I think we'll figure out a way to incorporate barbecue potato chips into 21st century motorcycle technology. What are we going to be talking about here? <laughs> All right. Fiber optic barbecue potato chips. That's what we're <laughs> going to be talking about. No, Well, welcome back, yeah, to the Sound Rider Show, of course. And uh, we're going to, in lieu of an interview this month, talk a little bit about some of the kind of unique technology-related innovations that we've seen over the last couple of years. And, you know, I kind of got on this kick where I was looking at some of the strange patents and some of the Kickstarter campaigns and that kind of stuff. And what really got me thinking was an article on Ride Apart where they were talking about the old Jarvish helmet. Um, Do you remember hearing about this a couple of years ago? I think they did a Kickstarter. It was kind of a smart helmet deal. So the Jarvis helmet is a a smart helmet with what's referred to as a heads-up display, which shows on the interior of your face shield, right? Yeah, that's right. So I th- I don't know if they took the name from the Iron Man movie slash comic, but I think that's what 
Iron Man refers to like his AI that he interacts with too. Isn't that Jarvis? Jarvis? I uh, didn't watch Iron Man. Maybe I'll oh, watch it tonight okay. while you watch uh, The Slow Ride Home. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I would recommend the first Iron Man, I think, was the, the best of the three. But I think that's what he refers to because, you know, he gets that sort of in his suit, the heads-up display, and it tells him how fast he's fallen from Earth and how much power he has and all that kind of stuff. So mm. I'm not sure if it's related here or not. But So just a little history on this because I don't know if you know this, but I know some of our listeners know it. Um, one of the first motorcycle heads-up displays actually came in 2003. It was developed by a race car driver named Dominic Dobson. It was hmm. called the Sport View Heads-Up Display. And uh, on that display, you could see your RPMs, you could see your speed, you could see what gear you were in. I don't know why that was important, but... Um, and then it, that sort of went along, and then it sort of went away. And now here we are at the next next deal. So the Jarvis, so did you get in on the uh, the GoFundMe on that? You know, I didn't. Um, and I think we mentioned the uh, previous one in 2003 there showing you what gear you're in. I think that's only good for when you're shifting, uh, trying to shift out and you hit neutral, and you get that lug off the starting line, right? And then you go, oh, what gear am I in? Oh, I'm in neutral. You just look down. Instead of feeling it, it gives you a reminder that you're a, a fool out there at the stop sign. Yeah, but I don't need a heads up to tell me when I grab the throttle <laughs> and I know. go, wah, wah, and then I hit the, hit the shifter and it goes, wah. Exactly. Well, that's my point. And that's what I kind of wonder, actually, about these heads up displays is, you know, you and I are both technology guys. We like uh, all the latest and greatest, but I don't know, I guess... The only real application I see from this right now would be if you were like a daily commuter and maybe you would want all that uh, extra information. But uh, as sort of a recreational rider, I'm not sure if it adds to the experience or not. Well, having used most of what they put into this Jarvis helmet, the Bluetooth and uh, being able to text by voice and listen to your voicemail and play music and all that stuff. I can tell you that's the last thing you want to do if you're a daily commuter. If you're driving around the city, you do not want to be monkeying around with that stuff when you're trying to navigate traffic on two wheels. But there are people who think, oh, yeah, i got to have that. Um, I could do it pretty decently out on the highway when there wasn't a lot of traffic or if I was out on back roads. But as soon as I got in a traffic situation, I didn't want my, my senses pulled away from managing my motorcycle and myself through the traffic. So uh, they said that um, <laughs> on the initial helmets they were going to ship, they wouldn't have uh, – they would have Siri access and Google access but not Alexa. I'm like, seriously? Hmm. Like are you going to sit there and go, Alexa – Make my motorcycle go faster. <laughs> Alexa, wash my bike. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, maybe that will be the uh, – maybe that's why they didn't include Alexa. Maybe as part of Amazon's drone program, they forbid them from using this technology because they have plans for their own bike washing Alexa command helmet. Right? It just <laughs> releases the drone, and it's got the sponge on it, and it'll clean it right there for you. But Hey, Siri, well, you know, what gear is my motorcycle in? Right. Hey. Well, I'm inclined to agree with you as far as the, uh, the overwhelming presence of technology on a motorcycle, I think, uh, can be a bit distracting. But I also wonder, too, you know, I guess what the implication is for younger generations who are just going to grow up on this kind of stuff. If it'll be more second nature to them, you know, if there's some eight-year-old kid out there who in 10 years is going to be a motorcycle rider, if he'll be more attuned to these kind of sensor feedback systems or if just even being tied in with these, you know, control units that we already have, if maybe that sort of offset will start to see your attention drifting and it'll straighten out your motorcycle or apply the brakes for you, um, I guess really the the ceiling's unlimited in some some respects. Maybe the Target Zero people will come along and forbid these to be used because they do steal your attention and they will cause a certain number of crashes. Is my guess. Yeah, you know that's interesting. It'll be real interesting to see how those early data returns um, 
how they how they look once it's happened. And quite frankly, it'll be interesting to see what the adoption curve for something like this is, because as you indicated earlier, there was talk as early as 2003, and here we are 17 years later, and I still don't see people clamoring for it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate an adoption within the next five years. Um, it seems more like a novelty, kind of like Snapchat glasses and Google Glass and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing at this point, at least. Yeah, I'm with you. But, you know, if you're going to use one, it does help to have the inertial measurement units system Yeah, these, these IMUs, they're popping up really in a lot of bikes. Does your uh, NC have any traction control or uh, ride modes or anything like that? I'm not sure. Well, it does. It's, it's, it's connected between my handlebars and my it, – it's an area between my handlebars and my brain. <laughs> that does all the traction control. Yeah, yeah. Your bicep. <laughs> <laughs> I have a brain, and I can do my traction control, and I can lean my motorcycle when it needs to be leaned. And I, I looked and I read this article that you sent me the link on, and I was like, wait a minute, I, I got wheelie control. It's me, right? So. Well- I've kind of here's another thing where where the, you know there's just all this technology that that people want to implement into motorcycles and the fact is you're going to be the best rider when you have full control of your motorcycle yourself. And at the end of the day, more and more motorcycles are at least here in the United States are recreational modes of transportation. Don't you want to be involved in the operation of it? I mean, do we want a tesla self-driving motorcycle or do we want a tesla motorcycle that isn't self-driving no i don't want one that's self-driving yeah and that's, that's what i mean I isn't ride. that yeah but that's exactly right and that's kind of the logical extension of a lot of these things and i even look i think i think that there's probably room for anti-lock brakes i think that the data that we have shows i think most recently that Anti-lock braking systems reduce fatal motorcycle crashes by approximately 31%, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense because we talked about single vehicle accidents earlier, and there are a lot of people, a lot of those folks who tell you that they, uh, quote-unquote, had to lay it down, which is I come to believe is code for I grabbed too much front brake in a panic and I laid it down. <laughs> yeah. So I think that the anti-lock braking systems probably do have uh, some benefit there. But when it comes to traction control and ride modes, the biggest question I see people ask is, can I shut it off? And uh, there are a few models out there that you can't shut it off, and people find that to be frustrating, and I would be in that group. Although the DR, this may shock shock you (laughs) and our listeners, Uh, it has no ride modes or traction control or anti-lock brakes. <laughs> no ride-by-wire on the DR350, no. huh? There is not. No. Darn. I know. <laughs> well, and you know, on, on one of my bikes, I have the linked braking system. Sure. Which is kind of a pain because you can't do, um, oh, what's that? What's that thing where you, where you blend the throttle with the rear brake or with the front brake? Uh, you can't do it because you're linked between the two brakes. Oh, so then it starts break, pulling in your back tire. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, I just, you then know. Then you mess I, your transmission up good. Right. And I, I just feel like in general, um, you know, people should be learning to what that feels like to brake traction or to grab too much front brake and to release. You know, that should be part of the whole experience. But then I, I guess we get back into that whole training discussion of what, it, what should be required, what shouldn't be required, and what's actually effective. But, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the basic old motorcycles still, but I guess that's part of that is just evolution, right? We just get uh, more and more stuck in our ways the older we get. Hmm. Well, I don't know if it's going to do anybody any good. And then, and then you you made a note here that uh, Harley Davidson is doing a self balancing system as well. Well, did you look at this? Uh, this was a a patent breakdown. Did you have a chance to glance at that at all? I did. So it goes in the top box. Yeah. So it's all just kind of like gyroscopic control that uh, essentially just evens you out a little bit. I thought that was kind of fascinating that, you know, you maybe just have this add-on gyroscopic system, right? You go, <laughs> you go to the Harley dealership. I, I can't add a, I can't put a tent in the top box anymore. Well, no that room. is 
that is that is very true. Unless uh, this doubles as sort of a magic fingers thing at night on your air mattress, where you can just pull it out and it will. Oh, give now me, you're thinking. <laughs> I like that. Two purposes. That's right. But I thought this was kind of <laughs> an interesting an interesting take on it. I, I I tend to believe that this is more of an engineering exercise than anything else, or a piece of technology that they may be able to sell into some other you know, industry, maybe some service care robot or something like that for nursing homes that needs uh, <laughs> additional balancing. But I can't imagine, you know, some guy coming in and going, yeah, I've got really bad vertigo. Can I get one of those top box balancer installs? And they go, yeah, sure. It's 1500 bucks. And they plop this thing in. And the next thing you know, you're, uh, you know, riding down the highway straight. I just, I have a hard time believing in yeah, and then And then there's a the guy who says, well, I tried to lay her down. I really needed <laughs> to lay her down, but she wouldn't lay down. I did everything <laughs> I could. I grabbed the front brake. I leaned, and it just wouldn't go. The gyroscope was so powerful. The police showed up. Upright. I still couldn't lay her down. <laughs> That's right. I couldn't even turn. I just, right through the guardrails, and kept on going, so... Oh, okay. Airbag vest. There's a good one. Airbags and motorcycles. How's that? Well, again, did you see this Honda patent that I sent you? So they've uh, actually owned a patent for a long time on the uh, airbags on motorcycles. They've had them in gold wings now, I think, about a decade. And this particular patent, I think, is a modification of that, which is supposed to prevent you from flying over the handlebars. I could have used that. Yeah, I guess that's true. I hear I was all set to make fun of it, but yeah, I suppose that's true. Maybe you could have. So, so does your does your uh, motorcycle turn into the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria, or I don't know? Yeah, like, like, it, like grows his sail up at the front <laughs> handlebar now. Yeah, I guess that is the um, the idea. I'm looking at some of the pictures of the patent here right now, and it's. It's kind of hysterical looking. I guess, hey, if it's effective, it's effective, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know if I would prefer this over an airbag vest. I'm, I'm inclined to think that an airbag vest would probably be more practical. Um, but they're out there. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Some of these patents that you see come through. And, of course, you know, there's always new stuff coming down the wire. And they're trying things out. And I respect that. But. Again, no airbags on the DR350. And you know that airbag vest, there's actually two purposes for that. You and can, those are? You could pop that thing on October 31st, and then you can go out as the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's uh, if they highlight that in the original patents, if it was also to double as a Halloween costume. But I feel like you've got yourself a cottage industry there. Hmm. Hmm. Um... Facebook has put in a patent for a motorcycle. Tell us about that. Well, so this is actually from a year ago, but during my search here for this segment, I stumbled across it. And this is, I don't know, this is kind of like, it looks to me a little bit like a shrunken Segway sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure, but I guess when you start to read through the abstract a little bit of the patent application, going back to our inertial uh, control units, from uh, that we talked about a minute ago, I guess they're saying that there may be some crossover or speculating between, you know, like the Oculus Rift, these 3D glasses, and the sort of motorcycle-like self-balancing unit here. So maybe that's how riders will learn to ride motorcycles in the future. Maybe they'll strap into this device and put on a headset, and you'll never even have to risk your training course, you'll yeah, just do it that, all. That digitally. bike had such a, a long wheelbase on it. I thought you could actually like lay down on that thing, take a nap while it was driving you off to wherever <laughs> you were going. Well, apparently, as uh, many of these patents have uh, indicated, that is the future of motorcycling: is to have no control. Uh, you just have your helmet on that just uh, talks to you and says soothing words as Facebook's self-balancing electric motorcycle carries you to and from. I don't know. I guess the unemployment office. I'm not sure. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Okay. It's pretty wild. So getting serious here and yeah. getting out of this uh, bizarre universe of all this other nonsense, uh, I will say that that EU5, which is the uh, 
the European Union working on dropping emissions has really pushed some technology, and we're seeing that happen with uh, Honda did a patent for something called the VVT, which is a variable valve timing. And now Harley is going to is uh, popped in for a patent on something called the VTT. So, uh, what do you know about all that? Well, you know, I was looking at uh, the Harley Davidson patent, and um, this seems like, I guess, a pretty interesting advancement. You know, although I don't know if I consider it revolutionary or not, but like we continue to eliminate some of the inefficiencies of the combustion engine. And I feel like this is kind of a continuation on that. And um, if they can do it successfully and they can increase fuel mileage and make it so you have to carry less gas, especially for us dual sporters, right? I mean, having a heavy top gas tank is kind of one of those historical things that can, can make riding off-road a lot a lot more difficult. I think, uh, I think this, could, this could have some impact. I think this is something that we may see. Yeah, I think it's interesting that uh, because of these emission standards that are being set forth by the EU, that uh, they're pushing technology. And I kind of like that. And they're pushing, yeah. you know, important technology, not 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 sort of this meaningless, uh, oh, we're going to distract you with a cell phone call over here right now, you know. Right. Not, not that kind of stuff, but stuff that, that is really is meaningful. And, um, you know, people... They may think that when they ride a motorcycle, they're helping the environment, but there's a lot of motorcycles that spew as much emissions or more than an automobile. And so to see the motorcycle industry getting pushed on this and complying and moving forward, uh, I, I, I like to see it happening, and I think it's good. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'm just uh, scanning some of the articles that refer to this, and I'm looking at one from uh, Motorcycle.com just a few days ago about the uh, patent for Harley's V-twin uh, engine with VVT. And just to kind of drive home the point here, um, but the whole idea is that, uh, generally speaking, adjusting the intake timing can optimize power and torque delivery at higher or lower revs. So that all sounds good. And then it goes on to say that uh, the Sportster lineup, especially, will not currently meet Euro 5 standards. So, you know, that's the, I, I think, the most affordable Harley-Davidson motorcycle, at least in their lineup. I think you can get a Sportster for anywhere between seven and $9,000. So reworking that engine to make it more fuel efficient and uh, to keep the price down is something that will, will benefit all lines and all brands of motorcycles. And I would encourage the listeners and the riders to go out and do their homework on this technology. It is interesting. Um, if you go back 10 years ago, Aprilia came out with some motorcycles. And there's been other manufacturers who have done this as well, where you, you pushed a button and you had three options. You had like a normal mode, a sport mode, and a touring mode. And depending on which mode you were in, you either retarded the timing or you advanced the timing. And um, what this technology that we're looking at here, for the most part, does is it automatically retards or advances the, the timing uh, based on what you're doing with your throttle. So you don't need switches anymore. You don't need to make a decision on if you want to, you know, go to a sport mode or or you want to go to a touring mode. You just you're going to go there depending on how you crack the throttle. Right. I mean, that smart power delivery is everything, right? I mean, that, that makes a huge difference for, for the everyday rider to the, the touring rider, certainly. So I'm all for it. I'd like to see more of this. I would also, over the years, many manufacturers have filed patents for hybrid motorcycles. And I, I continue to wonder if we'll see any development on that in the next decade. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it all remains to be seen. It'll all be plugged into Jarvis. Yeah, Jarvis. <laughs> All right, uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. 
Hi, I'm Sharon Coop, and I'm from Surrey, B.C. My favorite ride is going out Highway 30 up to Vista House, and then we go on over to Larch Mountain for the most amazing view of five volcanoes. A view you will never forget once you've been there. You have to take that ride. It is excellent. Hi, this is Skoshi from Avon Motorcycle Tires. You're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hey, Jarvish, bring back in the Sound Rider show. I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. Ah, see, you need to be connected to Alexa. I'm sorry, but the Wi-Fi connection has failed. <laughs> well, from Jarvish to uh, Garbish, let's drive into the, uh, the final segment here, because, of course, we're not going to leave you without some tips and tricks. And uh, I know we've got a couple of important ones this month. Uh, Tom, do you want to kick it off? I'll kick it off. So, uh, you know, I, I, I love cats and I have one and, uh, and I like all the little neighborhood cats and all, but I live in a condo and they can get through the gates in the garage. And so, uh, they tend to like to mark my motorcycles and I don't like that. So I got to thinking about this, and I know that uh, with my domestic house cats, um, when necessary, I have sprayed certain areas with vinegar as a way to repel them. So I went around all my bikes, which I keep covered, and uh, each of the individual bike covers, I sprayed them with a solution of water and vinegar. And guess what? No, no cats. more cats. No more cat marking. Good. Uh, I, I also sprayed them with hydroxychloroquine, but I don't think that was actually what did it. I think it was the water. No, I didn't do <laughs> I didn't do the hydroxychloroquine. But, well, uh, and we, sh- we water should mention, and vinegar. I, yeah, we should mention for people who have listened uh, earlier in the show about the SL350, the nickname for that motorcycle, the Tinkler, is unrelated to your incidents <laughs> with uh, <laughs> neighborhood cat. Yes, but that's evident on some of the spokes because cat urine yeah, will right. get through just about any kind of metal. That's right. So, Well, there you go. Those are problems that I can guarantee folks will not have addressed on any other motorcycle podcast because we like to get practical here. And that's after. What are we in our sixth year now? Or are we still in our fifth year? We're into our sixth, anymore. yeah. In our sixth year now, uh, we've got uh, a fuller and fuller bag of tricks. So I like that, though, because we do have a lot of city listeners who have to park on the streets and that kind of thing. Yep. So what do you got? So here's what I got this month. And we're rolling into August. And my tip is going to be to ride cool. And I'm not talking about temperature cool because most of our listeners are pretty savvy on that. I'm talking about a noticeable uptick of aggressive driving that I have seen on the highways and byways here the last uh, probably four to five weeks. And uh, I don't know if it's pandemic frenzy or if it is job frenzy or whatever it is, but I just want to remind all our listeners just to play it cool out there because I've seen some pretty crazy things out on the roadway and, uh, you know, if you can travel at off-peak hours and off-peak days, if you can get out into those two-lane highways where you're not going to have to worry about confrontations with frustrated or crazy people, I would encourage uh, everybody to do that because we talked about statistics a little bit earlier in the show, and I would hate for any of our listeners to become one or part of those statistics. So ride cool. Uh, don't let people get under your skin. Go at your own pace and uh, make sure that you're enjoying it out there. Here, here. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So that's a little soapbox for the end of the August show there, but I figured <laughs> it is uh, timely nonetheless. All right. Well, hey, that's the uh, August show. We are going to uh, – we've got a couple plans to uh, do other things since we're not doing the rally, but we're thinking of you. We wish we could be with you in Hood River. 
Uh, we're looking forward to having a good September show, and we'll meet you back here then. The Sound Writer Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.